Let's call on the Lord. Huh? With, with, with a release spirit, not just mumbling, not just under your breath. Let's call on the Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus. 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 Amen. Lord, we commit these, this morning or these two sessions of gathering to you. It is of you that we're here. And you are the one who have shepherded us, brought us together today. So we're gathered into your name, into your dear, sweet person. Lord, here we will remain, abiding in you. We open our hearts to let you abide in us. Lord, our prayer this morning is, Lord, make home in our hearts. Make home in all of our hearts. We pray that you will gain much more ground. You will expand your room in all of our hearts. That you can really settle in your church. This church will really be your dwelling place in reality. That you can be expressed. You can be satisfied. Lord, this morning cleanse us with your blood. Protect and cover us from every in every direction. Shield us from the attack of the enemy, whether it is in our spirit or in our mind or even in our body. Lord, this morning we're here waiting on you. Lord, give us a specific word, a particular word, a word for the dear sisters. We pray not only for the saints here, but all those who will watch this video. We pray for your cherishing, your nourishing, your cleansing, your watering, your sanctifying, your instructing, your edifying. Lord, we pray through these words, the finding home in our heart, that you can. there will be a result of a building up in all the local churches. All the sisters seeking you, functioning in life in a proper way, according to your divine ordination. Lord, the church would, churches would be blessed. This morning especially we pray that your word will come and wash our mind, renew our concept, deliver us from the worldly thinking, the worldly philosophy of this age. We want to come to the Word and we receive the mind of Christ and know something according to the Word of God in this wonderful divine revelation. Lord, our whole trust is in you. Whether we're speaking here, we're here listening. We're here joined to you in one spirit. Hallelujah. Be who one spirit with the Lord. There would be liberty here. There would be freedom here. There would be just room for you to speak and do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Lord, again. Amen.
Well, I think, uh, sisters, the word is important. Uh, in all this speaking, uh, please do not think that it is uh, some kind of human concept or um, human construct uh, related to things about females, about sisters, and so on. I'm going to get into some of these things and may I give you even some warning ahead of time because of the prevalent and powerful philosophy of this age regarding this very matter of male and female. You know, I'm talking about this first lesson, lesson three, which you have an outline in your hands. Um, that you would have even heard these things or you have been taught in the world of these things and you may have even accepted and identified with some of those things that you have heard. And so what I say here, which is according to the pure word of God, you may find offensive. You may find, even for some of you, difficult to embrace. But this is precisely why we need meetings like this. Um, so that our minds may be washed. You know that passage in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the washing of water in the word. That washing of water uh, is the word laver. The word laver in the Old Testament uh, between the um, uh, altar of the burnt offering and the holy place, there is this laver of water that the serving ones need to be washed in. And of course, that is a type or a picture of our baptism today, where the old creation is terminated and we would live in a new creation being our old man being buried with Christ and we would what grow with Christ in the likeness of his resurrection and living in the reality of that resurrection which is the spirit today and by doing so we will walk in the newness of life sisters we are here, not just some people in the world, living according to the worldly standards and the worldly um, philosophies. We're not even here living by some traditional ethical philosophy. For example, there are many... Uh, sisters here from the direction of the Far East, and there the main source of all the sort of Eastern ethics, which, by the way, I will tell you is exemplary uh, and highly moral. But the source of that is a man named Confucius. And so not only the Chinese, and Confucius was sort of a Chinese, but even the Koreans and even the, um, the uh, Japanese from that uh, 
all were affected by that kind of a ethical uh, belief system. And so uh, one might even say, uh, if you're not instructed, if you don't have the revelation, that some of those kind of ethical moral teaching from that source um, even beats the Bible. <laughs> if you can believe it, uh, I always use this illustration that whereas the Bible, you say, the uh, woman, right, should submit to, or the wife, I should say, should submit to her husband, right? That, that's Paul's teaching in Ephesians. Well, let me tell you, Confucius is much, much higher than that. You can believe it. A woman, before even you were married, before you have a husband, you should submit to your father. Okay? Then, after you get married, of course, you should submit to your husband. But what if you become widow? What you... What if you, your husband passes? You're supposed to submit to your son. How about that? Do you think Confucius is higher or the Bible? What, what do you say? I would say Confucius is much higher than the Bible. This Bible is one full submission. Confucius, three full submission. If you think one fold is difficult, try three. So, but that is a what? A human construct, ethical construct. It's not whether that is good or bad. That is without revelation. Now, this morning when you come here, I ask all of you to put aside whatever system you have in your head that you inherited from your education, from even uh, your uh, upbringing. I'm not in the realm. We're not in the realm of right or wrong. We must come to the gold standard. What is the gold standard? The Word of God. The divine revelation. That is our absolute and highest standard. So this morning, dear sisters... You and I here need to pray. I hope even when you're listening to me, you are not just listening with your ears, you are praying in your spirit. Practice that. It can be done. Exercise your spirit inwardly because we need desperately for this kind of message another spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is something from God, only comes from God. This is not Spartan smarts. This is not just being intellectual. This is divine wisdom. And number two, we need revelation, not just teaching. There will be some teaching here, but the teaching is merely a tool or means to convey revelation. So, in other words, we need unveiling. We need a certain veil or certain veils to be removed or taken away. 
so that we can see the real thing. We can see the reality, which is Christ himself. So I hope so. I hope uh, these meetings are not just uh, in a kind of outward realm, but truly in a very inward realm. So please pray. Now, what we're doing here in Canada, in the, with the churches in Canada, specifically with the sisters in the churches in Canada, uh, beginning this year, was to uh, make up, I use this word, uh, the lack, a certain lack. Because in the last two years, I think, am I right? Um, in Canada, many of you sisters know that we have been devoting much time um, with the brothers for a kind of training, including probably some of your husbands, etc. Two years is a long time. So I still remember last November when I came here uh, with another, yet another brother's gathering. I posed the question to the brothers. I said, brothers, uh, we are coming to an end of those two-year training 72 lessons altogether. What should we do next? And almost in unison, the brothers exclaim, Sisters, like that. So I, not hard to get the point, that in all fairness, we now need to pay attention to the sisters, and I agree with them. This is only fair, right? That whilst the sisters have been support, being supported, been supportive to our attention to the brothers in the churches. We do need to take care of you. I, I said, good. It just so happened that in my bag, I have 48 lessons for the sisters that I have worked on with my helpers for actually a couple of years. I say this to tell you that in my heart, I have always have a particular burden for the sisters because the sisters in one way is more in, are more important than the brothers. Now don't say this to uh, flatter you, to make you feel good so you would listen to me today. <clears throat> I say this because that is a fact. That is a fact. Our dear brother Witness Lee, uh, who has much experience in this matter, in the matter of the church life, said this. He said, based on his experience, that the building up of a local church, say the church in Toronto, he said two-thirds depends on the system. One-third depends on the brothers. Somewhat, numerically, it's sort of the same ratio as we can see in that lovely picture of the house of Bethany. You remember that? That household that the Lord Jesus loved to visit. And there you have three siblings with two sisters, Mary and Martha, or Martha and Mary. And their 
wonderful brother, little brother, I don't know, for Lazarus, the guy who actually died and got raised by the Lord miraculously. So it's two to one, right? So I don't know today in Toronto what your ratio is between sisters and brothers. But if it's about two to one, that's about right. Um, see, this is, you say, this is why it's hard for sisters to find husbands. Uh, that's another issue we will not address today. But I would like to tell you, I would like to tell you that that was what Brother Lee shared with us. And I heartily believe that. Because that is also my experience. So, um, that, that level of importance ascribed to the sisters in the church really, really translates into a need. And that need is the need that, at least in some way, to some small degree, I would like to try to meet in these kinds of meetings with the help of this set of lessons. Forty-eight lessons. All right. So, because of various circumstances, we cannot all sit here for so many days and go through these 48 lessons. So we decided that we will take two lessons at a time. And as I would go here and there, not only in Canada, but here and there, where there would be um, the opportunity, I would uh, speak and have these lessons, um, uh, this speaking recorded, so that they can be viewed, they can be used by sisters everywhere. Now, principally, we will be doing this in the churches in Canada. So it was what? When was the first one? It was in uh, January. Huh? January the 20th, we did the first two. Did you watch it here? Oh, you did watch it here. Okay, wonderful. You feel okay about that? Okay, all right. So um, I think if I recall, those two first two uh, of the 48 lessons were on the importance of the sisters. I think, I think that's what we covered. Today, uh, we're using you as uh, the live audience to cover lessons three and four. And these two lessons are very, very important. Um, we are not even getting into the matter of the role of the sisters, the function of the sisters, Yet, we will get there, and actually, we will always touch upon those things. But we got to establish a very, very solid foundation, or foundational concept, if you will, regarding the place of a sister. Even we use the word, in general, the female, right? In relation to the brothers, or the male. Now this is a very important thing and a great thing in God's creation, both the old creation and even in the practical 
experience of the new creation that is in our church life today. All right. That is a long preamble. I hope you're not bothered by that. Now, before we get into some speaking of this lesson, it is very important for us to read the Word of God. The Word of God. So, reading this Word is as important as the message. Now, uh, some of you may not have the Old Testament with you. That's okay. So, I will read that verse. And after that, uh, I hope you, you have the Bible with you. You can turn to the rest of the scripture reading um, in the New Testament. All right? And by the way, uh, dear sisters, um, I say this um, um, uh, with a hope. And I would even say... Uh, as a kind of assignment, if I may say so, that um, after you hear these messages, you receive these things, you would find time. You would find time personally or individually, and better yet, with some companions of yours, uh, two or three, five or six, seven or eight, by languages, whatever is convenient, you would informally, the church does not make these arrangements for you, very organically, you would uh, find each other, and perhaps you already have some kind of a, a small group or something like that. You would get into, specifically get into these messages that you have just heard and pursue them. I would even say personally, spend some time to study them with the help of the Bible, okay? And I think with these excerpts, you may also be receiving some excerpts, I believe. Am I right? It's, I think it's part of your outline. And those excerpts are just excerpts. In other words, we glean from the ministry certain salient and important passages. But there's a lot more other reading behind that, and I believe it is there as well. Uh, let me take a look. We have study questions, and we have references and further reading. My goodness, I have done everything for you. You know, you just need to go there and grab your uh, 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 tableware, and, and, and you have to get the food and eat them. I will guarantee you that if you do so, if you would pay the price and get into these things, it will be, you, the benefit you will receive will be multiple times of just sitting here and hearing a message and be inspired or impressed by it. That way you get only this much. I would say this message here that I speak, you just listen to it, you get maybe about 20%. 80% you, you study. That 80% is very, very important. I like to see sisters in the churches who are uh, who are pursuing, who are um, interested, who are challenged in a good way to get into the Word of God and the ministry, and especially because these lessons are prepared for you, 
uniquely for you so that here it is. If there's something that you should get into, this is it. So would you do that? I really mean that. Now, sisters, in the church life, uh, you should not have cliques. Do you know the word clique? Like an exclusive club of something. That happens in the church church life. Sisters, in a natural way, they, 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 uh, they like each other or they have similar circumstances. And before you know it, they get into a natural realm or a natural relationship one with another. And they form, they didn't even try, they become a kind of a clique-like group. And some of these groups, this has happened, some of these groups become a bit exclusive to others. This is just the three, and when the fourth come by, they stop talking. <laughs> that kind of thing happens in the church life. And in some cases... Uh, they, they do certain things, and um, that is not entirely becoming uh, as far as the church life goes because they uh, build up something, but that would not eventually build up the church. You know what I'm talking about in a natural way. On the other hand, on the other hand, we need to group together, not just for social reasons, all right? Not just for that, but truly for the Lord, truly for the church. In that kind of purity of intent, sisters, I would like to encourage you to come together by neighborhood, by church, whatever, and pray and get into the Word. The next meeting, I'm going to give you, say something more concerning sisters' prayer. All right? Now, I'm, there will be lessons on that, but I just couldn't wait. I just couldn't wait because just this last week, I was very, very touched by the need, the current need of sisters' prayer in the churches. I'm going to say something in the second lesson. All right, but today, the first thing, assignment, is that you would come together and pursue these things. Start with yourself. Just even by yourself at home, open the Bible, open these things, and study them. Get into them, and then come together and digest and have fellowship. Each time when you go over them again, you'll be, what, further impressed. Um, and these things will sink into you a little bit more. Very, very important, and there's no way around spending the time. Okay. So I'm going to read to you uh, just um, Genesis 127, and you'll be ready with your New Testament to read the rest of the verses with me. Okay, verse 27 is very simple. In fact, it is uh, 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 will be, in a way, quoted later on in Matthew. Okay, it says, And God created man in his own image. Just, just man. In the image God... He created him. Male and female, he created them. Begs the question immediately, how many did God create? He created man. It's one man, am I right? His name is Adam. And then, but it says, same in the same verse, male and female created them. 
So this man is a male man and a female man somehow. How, how does this thing work? Well, we shall find out. Am I right? Okay, now let's uh, read these verses. And I want you to turn with me. Reading the Bible is very, very important. So Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4. Okay, 19 and verse 4. All right. Three. And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? This is very important. This is sort of a quote. It's a quote from Genesis 1. That yes, God created the human, the man. All right. But the Bible immediately make this point that in the creation, God actually made two. A definite two, two very different humans, you may say. One is called male. One is called female. All right? I'm already here by speaking this, putting forth something that is contrary to what is being pushed today in our society. Have you heard of this term called gender neutrality? This is a very, very prevalent and powerful uh, belief that is being pervaded and taught, indeed pushed and even forced into in society and especially in the young minds in the educational system today. To basically to say this, to just not only blur the gender of male and female, but to say it is neutral. It is the same. There's no difference between male and female. They're the same, really. Man and woman. There's a town in uh, in the U.S. They just legislated that city that in all the city documents henceforth they will get rid of all male and female what pronouns and they will adopt a gender neutral pronoun. I don't know what that is. It's not he. It's not she. It's Z. Or something like that. I don't study these things, but I hear these things. Brothers and sisters, that is not the fact. That is wrong. There's male and there's female. There's only two, and they're different. There is a clear distinction between the two, and we're going to get into this. All right. I hope, again, sisters, you would not just listen to this and reject this. And say, I, no, please be open. Not to me. The word of God. I come back 
to the word of God. I know by speaking in these things, I'm in a fight. I fully realize that. But we have to speak forth the truth. Otherwise, we're not faithful to the Lord. Okay, 1 Corinthians, all right, um, chapter 11. And here we read verses 3 through 15. And it is good for all of us to read through this together because some of the sisters, you might not have even read this or you're not very familiar with this passage. Okay, let's read. Okay. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the woman and God is the head of Christ. I like all of us at the end of every uh, uh, verse, we say an amen, amen, which means we agree. Okay, verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying with his head covered disgraces his head. Amen. But every woman praying or prophesying with her head uncovered disgraces her head for it is one and the same as she who is shaved. Amen. For if a woman is not covered, let her hair also be cut off. But if it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut off or to be shaved, let her be covered. Amen. For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is God's image and glory, but the woman is the glory of the man. Amen. For a man is not out of woman, but woman out of man. Amen. For also man was not created for the sake of the woman, but woman for the sake of the man. Amen. Therefore the woman ought to have a sign of submission to authority on her head for the sake of the angels. Amen. However, neither is woman without man, nor man without woman in the Lord. Amen. For just as the woman is out from the man, so also is the man through the woman. But all things are out from God. Amen. Judge this in your own selves. Is it fitting for a woman to pray uncovered to God? Amen. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? Amen. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, because her long hair has been given to her for a covering. Amen. So don't get into this hole. Oh, the covering should... Should I have short hair, long hair, covering, no covering? Uh, okay. I'm not saying we sidetrack that or we avoid that. I'm not saying that. But let's leave that for another time. Let's not be distracted. There's more important things to talk about today. And that is the revelation in the Bible concerning male and female in God's economy. 
That is the subject of this lesson. Now, let us continue to read Galatians, a very important three verses in Galatians chapter 3. And that would be verses 26, 27, and 28. And I shall ask you to read again with me together. Okay. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There cannot be Jew nor Greek. There cannot be slave nor free man. There cannot be male and free male. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Well, you say, whoa. The Bible is speaking against itself. You just told us there is male and female and clear distinction between the two. Now, Paul, you are saying that what? In Christ, there cannot be male and female. What's going on here? Well, that's why we need some help. We need uh, some um, uh, teaching and help to clarify this matter for us. And right there is something very, very important as far as the truth is concerned. Very important to grasp. Okay, now let's go to chapter 4 and verse 6. Same book, next chapter. Go. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Well, you are sons. Who's the you here? Male? Female? Sisters? Brothers? Who are the sons here? Paul was speaking to all the believers. And suddenly, right, Barely a few verses ago, he said, what? There's no male and female. Now, he say, you're all sons. He didn't say sons and daughters. Where are the daughters? I don't know. But you are sons. And in fact, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. I'm sorry, world. Not the spirit of son, his son and daughter, but his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus is the son of God, not the daughter of God, the son of God. It couldn't be clearer than that, am I right? Okay. Now, Well, in fact, it says crying, Abba, Father, not Abba, Mother. You say, I don't like it. Well, it's not what you like, brothers, sisters. It's what the Word says. Our job is say a huge Amen. Blessed is the one who say Amen to what proceeds from the mouth of God. This is a great, great thing. To obey God's word as it is spoken. All right, finally, 2 Corinthians. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Okay? Amen. 
than you as a pure virgin to Christ. Suddenly here we're back to what? Paul speaking to who? Not sisters. Paul is now speaking to the saints again. In Corinth, brothers and sisters, he said what? He said, I betrothed you to one what? Husband. Suddenly, we're all females. In fact, he said, as virgins to Christ, including brothers. Now talk about confusion, right? Male, female, no male, no female. Sons and then virgins. Well, now I think we are sufficiently confused to come to this lesson to receive the truth. All right. We have to finish this uh, speaking uh, at 10.30. Then we will have a break uh, before the second session. So, again, I say I trust a lot of the study, the deeper study of these things to you. All right? Okay, Roman numeral one. Well, let's read the title together. The revelation of the Bible concerning male and female in God's economy. Let's read one together. And God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. All right? He created him. He also created them. But if you recall in Genesis 1, if you want to be technical and more specific and more detailed, actually God created or made only Adam. Eve, the woman, the female, was not created in the same way that Adam was formed into a human being. There was a rip that was taken after Adam was put to a deep sleep that was taken out of Adam's side and with that rib, God built, in this case not created, the word is built. Create is to make something out of nothing. To build is use something made in existence as the raw material to build something. Do you see that? The woman or the female technically is built and not created. But generally speaking, God made them both, male and female. Okay, so I'm going to continue. So in God's creation, there is a distinction between male and female. You can say Half of the burden of this lesson is to emphasize or make clear that distinction. Not only the distinction between male and female, but a certain, what, difference, a particular difference um, between the two. Um, In 
creation, no doubt, but also in their in the purpose for which they are made, man and woman. Their different roles, their different functions as a result of that distinction between male and female. Dear sisters, I hope that you would not be bothered by me because many of you I know in the church life, we accept these things, we're okay. But let me tell you, this matter, just this most important matter, is being destroyed in the world today. And the destruction of this idea, of this fact, even the dilution of it, let me tell you, is one of the source of all the degradation and sinfulness in society today. It's the source. So you, if you remove this divine concept, if you tread on it, if you cast it off, you are basically opening yourself to Satan, to evil. And we are already witnessing in almost every corner of society today. I cannot even open the newspaper one day without seeing something serious. I wouldn't even say criminal. I would just say decadent, depraved, even to the uttermost of sin, of evil, that you can trace back to this kind of a, what, concept. I even will say this, that those kind of concepts are satanic, and they're from the pit of hell, but against the darkness, against what is behind all these so-called modern progressive theories regarding gender, regarding social relationships, regarding the society. There's an agenda, a dark and evil agenda with the attempt to turn everything upside down, eventually, eventually, with the arrow pointing at God himself. And what God wants to accomplish in the world, or on this earth. This is serious. I fully realize that we're engaged, therefore, in a spiritual battle here. So, please, sisters, you pray. And you, what? Obey his word. I respect the sisters. I don't agree with mistreatment of women. The Bible, but you must have the revelation. You must not get yourself involved in these kind of 
movements and counter-movements of the world. For one thing, they will not solve the problem. What we need to know about this matter is already prescribed in the divine revelation. Now, there may be human beings, people, that would even abuse the word of God. Anything can be abused. Anything can be misused for personal interest, for selfish reasons. I understand that. We're not for that, to repress, to oppress the woman, etc., etc., to mistreat them. And you know today what is in the news, all of that stuff. But dear sisters, dear sisters, the best thing is for us all to be lifted out of all of that. We're not even in that realm agreeing or disagreeing. We must come back to the word and see what God did according to the divine record. All right. The distinction. There is a distinction. Even mothers, your children are growing up. I know what you're facing. Even as three years old, two years old, you can choose your gender. Don't assume what you're born with is it. You should think about it. You can choose it. And we're going to help you to do that. And those who would do that will make a point. They, they glorify that. They think this is progressive, this is noble. This is where society is going. Three-year-old, a little child in Texas, the conservative state of Texas in the United States. And it's happening in many places in Canada. This is not just man doing this. I gave three messages. And I don't know you brothers, did you get my messages? I have them edited. Three messages on the subject of homosexuality from a biblical point of view. I'm not here, dear sisters, picking a fight. I have no interest in that. I'm not on some kind of soapbox, an activist here to counter anything. I am a little servant of the Lord and a minister of his word. If I'm not here faithful to the word of God, then I don't belong here. And let me tell you, the truth has long been under attack. And today we're in a situation that attack, the strength of that attack, is like never before. Like never before. We need to wake up and see and realize what's going on. Your children, they come back and say, Mommy and Daddy, the, the book says this, you know, the books, it's mandatory anymore. We can have two moms, two, 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 two dads, we... And, and much more than that. Even that is old stuff. There's a lot more than that. And their little minds, innocent, 
They just believe because the teacher told them. It's in the books. What are you going to do? And if the parents, we do not do something and say something, we're going along. And they will believe this. We have to speak. I have to speak. God's creation, I'm I'm continuing. God's creation of men and women is different. And God's purpose for men and women is also different. The creation is different. The way God made man and woman are different. Biologically, psychologically. Different. You have to accept this. And so their purpose, purposes are also different. Man is made for a, the male is made for a certain purpose. And the female is made for a certain purpose. Both are divinely created. And therefore we have to say wonderfully created. God created man in a wonderful manner for a wonderful purpose. And God had created the woman wonderfully for a wonderful purpose. I, I, I make this little joke. Actually, it's not a joke. In my, in my first message, I said, even though I helped to create this material, when I get back into it again, I got so awe-inspired that I said, Lord, how come you didn't make me a woman? I wish you made me a woman because I begin to realize that wonderful purpose for which a female, a woman, or a sister was made. You would see that and you would treasure that. You would not say, I wish God made me a man. And since he didn't, I'm going to become one. No. No. Why do you have to do that? I mean, all these lessons, these 48 lessons, is to inform all of us to this wonderful purpose. Very, very much needed in God's economy and God's eternal purpose. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's glorious. I more than respect the sisters. You know why? Because I respect God. And the way he does things. In his infinite wisdom. Why fight it?
I'm for women's rights. There has been a kind of unfairness and oppression, yes, to a certain degree in the society we're in. There's the side aspect of equality. But dear sisters, today what we're witnessing is far, far beyond that. So-called the fourth wave feminism. I don't even know you know about that or not. Not first wave. That's from the last two centuries ago when it began. The fourth wave today. Don't think I don't study these things, okay? I know what I am talking about. I'm not just some country preacher here thumping the Bible backwards. But dear sisters, the Bible, come back to the word of God and be washed, be cleansed. I would even say not just sisters, brothers need help. Today we have brothers who don't act like brothers. Men who don't act like men. Same thing from an opposite direction. Let's continue. The man was created by God and the woman was built by God. You see, I mentioned that already. You can read the verses. God's building work is finer than his creating work. You see, this is a tremendous compliment to the female according to fact. You know, to create, it's, it's a miraculous. It's God just created. But to build something, I, I tell you the kind of planning, the kind of detail is, is, is tremendous. And so this female is therefore much finer than the brothers. So in B it says man as the one created by God is rougher than the female. It's, it's true. I'm, I'm one, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm a male. The female is much finer because she was built by God. <clears throat> it's still done by God. Whether it's creation or building. It's still the handiwork of our creator, God. See, man is man and woman is woman. I like that. <laughs> okay. Man is man. Why do we need to twist that, huh? Woman is woman. Good enough. No matter how much people argue, and certainly there is a very, very noisy place today, of arguments, they cannot make women into men. They can try, they can claim, they can say, 
man is a man, woman into is a woman. And no matter how the fashion changes, you know what I'm talking about, man dressed like women and women dressed like man, etc. They cannot make men into women. This little reference verse in Deuteronomy 22.5 is important. I used this when I spoke about in I gave three messages on homosexuality, I use this verse that according to the word of God, that man should not be um, uh, dressed like a woman and vice versa because it spells confusion. And God is not a God of confusion, but of order. Two. Since God's creation and purpose for men and women are different, so therefore the nature and function. Now, these are all words you need to underline, all right? Creation, purpose, and now nature and function. The nature of men, the function of men, are different than the nature of a woman and the function of a woman. No one can deny this or overthrow this fact. In the Bible, the romance between male and female is used to illustrate God's divine romance. You see, there is romance. And the biblical romance really ultimately is that between God and man. Where God is the consummate male and man, the collective and corporate man, is the consummate female. And these verses that you have to read, and I really encourage you to do so in the Old Testament. And in fact, in our wonderful recovery version, we do have a lot of these, uh, what do you call it, um, side references. Don't, don't bypass that. Use those references, and you will find even more verses to complete the picture for you. All right? Um, even this morning I was looking at it oh my goodness I love to pray read these verses in Isaiah uh, in Isaiah it say, your maker is your husband oh I love to pray read that your make this is God speaking your maker is your husband that means the Lord is telling us man the collective man or in this case, Israel, I am your husband. Now, is there something more tender than that? He didn't say, I'm your boss. He didn't even say, I'm your creator, or your savior, or your master. He said tenderly, I'm your husband. I tell you, this divine romance didn't start in the New Testament. It started with Israel of old. And then you read Jeremiah about the days, the bridal days. That's the day in the wilderness. At Mount Sinai, little do, did the Israel uh, realize that the very law given through Moses to them is not a bunch of commandments for them to keep, but actually a letter of betrothal. He was using that to betroth Israel to himself. Because he want to marry them. He talks about the covenant he made with them. You know, a covenanting, an oath 
you know, today when you get married, you say what these things, what do you call it? Vow. You make the vow, right? I tell you, God is not just vowing, promising something. God actually made a covenant. Real marriage between two is a covenant. Not just I promise you, but I, there's a covenant. A what? Legal binding agreement between the two. Uh, the husband and the wife. And then you go on to Ephesians, Christ loved the church. The husband and the wife is that picture. In fact, that reality is there. And then in Revelation, you have what? The lamb marrying a bride. Of course, not a little lamb with a wiggling tail. That, but the lamb which is Christ. And, and his corporate saved and regenerated and transformed uh, overcomer collective overcomer as his bride. And ultimately, in the Bible, you have the spirit and the bride. The spirit is the consummation of the process triune God. We all know that, right, sisters? And the bride is the consummate, regenerated, and transformed and glorified elect of God for eternity they will be a couple, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. That is the story, biblical story of the divine romance. So the female, the male and the female is a picture, the human male and female is actually a picture of that consummate reality between God and man. Okay. The wife is the object of the husband's love. That is true. That is the teaching, and that is a fact. Deuteronomy says, you know, that's why after you get married, the man should not go to war for one year so that he could stay there home and take care of his wife. God's love needs an object. The church became and still is the object of God's love. And let me tell you, this is not a parental love. This is a romantic love between a male and a female. That's God's longing, eternal longing, until he found the church. B, God has an arrangement in which he wants Two groups, men and women, to portray, just a portrait, to portray how he and Christ are the head and how humans should obey. The male is the head of the female, just like Christ is the head of the male, and by extension, the head of both the male and the female, and even Christ has a head. And that is God himself. All right. So, as the woman, 
I'm talking about all male and female in God's eyes. The arrangement as such is therefore that we should obey our husband. You know what is the Christian life? The Christian life is just a matter of obeying our dear husband in everything. He speaks. He desires. He moves. He wills. As his wife, we, all of us, the believers, is to obey him. As he loves us, we obey him. That's the real Christian life, and that is the real church life. Uh, One, God wants men to take the role of himself and Christ. That's That's just God's ordination, that the man would take the role of God and Christ, and he wants women to take the role of the submitting humans. Sisters, you are a picture of the whole mankind. Some people said, no mankind. It's called people kind. Here it says, here it says, the role of the humans is what? Is to submit to their creator, God, their head, Christ. So we all need to, brothers and sisters, have to take that role. Wow. What, what a covering that is. What a protection that is. To have a head like that. Don't, you know, today the world tells you, throw it off. Cast off authority. Throw off the head. Don't obey. That's repressive. Be your own head. Be independent. That is the most dangerous thing to do. I tell you, I, oh, I tell you, every moment I like to stay under my head. What safety is this? The moment I stick my head out, that's dangerous. No, no, I really mean it. I really mean it. Lord, you're my head. Cover and protect me. Oh, so safe. So safe. Sisters, that, that, that's the point. We should not bring the thought of the equality of men and women into this matter. This is not a question of whether men and women are created equal. Rather, are, are equal, sorry. Rather, it is a question of the function of men and women before God. So don't in, bring in the political idea of equality. I told you already, I subscribe to, to that. But don't even try to think like this. Don't be tainted by that kind of a concern. The question is the function of men and women before God. Why a woman? Why a female? 
collectively speaking. Because God has a need, God has a want to marry us, to have a counterpart. Okay, three, before the Lord, men and women are both redeemed creatures without the slightest difference before the Lord. But when we come before people, we must differentiate between men and women to portray the role of the head and the role of those who submit. Actually, in Christ, in the Lord, there is no difference. Actually, really, there is no male and no female in Christ. Those who have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is no male and female. This is the other side of the coin. But today the church is still what? In human society. We are here, the church, as a spectacle, as a testimony to society. And as such, there still must be the differentiation between men and women so that what a certain reality would be portrayed, would be testified, and that is there is a head and there is what? Those who submit. Again, sisters, I belabor the point. I know for some of you this is a bit hard to follow, uh, to swallow. (laughs) Not just to follow, but to swallow. And some of you may even deep in your heart say, I can submit to those brothers, but, but not my brother. You know what I mean? That means my husband. He is not worthy of submission. But even to such sister, I have a kind word of advice to you that no matter what, no matter what, before the world, the sister's position, the sister's role or function, I'm going to jump ahead. There is a lesson. Okay, I have it in my bag. Way down the road a little bit. I forgot number what? Number 20, number 24. We'll get there. Okay, don't worry. That talks about the submission of the sister. Listen to me. This is the exact words. The submission of the sisters is the function of the sisters. Oh, my. Oh, you say, my goodness, you are, you are really, really oppressing us. Our function is to submit. So the male function is to oppress, right? No, no, I never said that. That's the conclusion you drew. No, I didn't draw that conclusion. And the Bible didn't say that. No, no, no. Sisters, I tell you. Then I read that again, even this morning. Lesson 20 or 24. Oh, I begin to see, based on 1 Corinthians 11, all this thing about head covering, this and that. It's not just that outward form of head covering. But there is this very, very weighty matter in 
this rebellious universe that we exist in due to Satan, Lucifer, of the need of a powerful testimony of God, of submission. I tell you, the church's testimony is a testimony of submission. While mankind all are in mass rebellion against God, the church takes the position of a female and say, we submit to God. Day after day, the local churches is standing in a locality to give that testimony, we submit. The whole world rises up, we submit. What a testimony. Even before we do any work, just that position of submission caused the devil to tremble. Sisters, for you to be in that function caused the enemy to shake. I take this position. Of course, we should submit to one another. We should love one another. We're not in that realm, right, of abuse, of all those things. That's another thing. We're, I'm talking about the principle in the word of God. Okay, for this is similar to actors who are ordinary people of the stage but who play very particular characters in different roles on stage. When they're on stage, there's a sense that they are different in function, but there's no thought of inequality. So when I talk about submission, don't bring the thought of equality in. That's another matter. You, sisters, do you follow me? I, I want to make sure that I'm not being misunderstood. All right? Let me ask you, was Christ equal to God? How come you don't know? You should know. <laughs> In Philippians 2, it says he was equal to God. But even Christ did not count that equality something to grasp. In fact, he humbled himself and took up the form of a slave and becoming like a man and die the death of a malefactor, a criminal. In our stead, accomplishing redemption for us and therefore God's purpose. I tell you, here is a mind. Here is an example of Christ taking the position of a female before God. And that position caused hell to shake. It pleased God so much. In, that, in this case, he had equality, but by choice, he chose to be under. And therefore, God highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name so that every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that 
Jesus Christ, this humble one, is Lord. We are not here to claim our way to the throne. To rebel our way to the throne. No need to do that. Submission is the way to the throne, sisters. We should consider submission glory, glorious, rather than a shame. This is how the world tells you. May God show the sisters that their submission can cause people to sense the authority and glory of God in Christ. When some people come into the church life, they will see a different scene. A scene different from what they see in the world out there. They sense here, you know what? They will immediately touch something called the divine authority when they see this. You know, I grew up in the church, church kid, you know, you can say. And I watched sisters when I was younger, when I was junior high, high school and so on. I watched the older sisters. They're capable. They are smart. They are not dummies. But I also see them taking the role because of the word of submission. I tell you, that is the most, What I don't know what is the word, convincing thing to that these people are different, that God is here. The throne is here. This is unlike the world. From a very young age, I realized, I couldn't explain it, I don't even know these truths, but something registered within me, this place called the church is a different kind of place. Today, sisters, you have a role to play in this testimony of the church by being a submissive sister to the glory of God. Okay, I know the time is running out. Let me just finish B, okay? Don't worry. Today, we're still in the old creation. There's still the distinction between females and females in the church now. The main point of the rest here, I can be quick, is the boundary. Because there's a distinction, there should be a boundary. Don't, don't, die, don't blur that boundary. Don't neutralize that boundary. That boundary has to be very clear, or else we will not be protected and preserved. One, on the one hand, in Christ, there are no differences between male and females. We talk about that already in Christ, Galatians 3. On the other hand, although we are the new man, in the church life, the differences between males and, uh, and females are still present. Uh, there are some, some Christians in, in the past, maybe even today, that say, whoa, the Bible says there's no male, no female. We, we, uh, there's no distinction anymore. We can just be together. We can, we, we, we can live together. I tell you, 
That happened in China. And not only confusion were brought in, a lot of scandal were brought in due to what? Immorality. Today, brothers and sisters, sisters, we are still human. We're still living in the flesh. Part of us are still in the old creation. We still must keep the what? The boundary, the clear difference between males and females. Two, we have a spirit, but we also have the flesh. Hence, we must keep the dividing line between males and females in our community and also in our church life. A, the sisters should not forget that they are females when they contact people. They are not so free to speak carelessly. Otherwise, their contacting people will bring them many problems. There are some sisters who just go beyond thinking they, they can be like brothers. They even act like brothers. And, and, and they just um, um, overstretch. The word, sister, is modesty. The word is, uh, even in the Bible, shamefacedness. That is your protection. You should not be so free to uh, just be like a man. You should be circumspect as a female, as taught in the word of God. B, it is wrong to speak with a person of the opposite sex when we're alone in a room. We must have a third person present there. This is not only a virtue, but also a great protection. You know, I have been, uh, uh, by the Lord's grace and mercy, and what a privilege and honor, testify, I can testify to you, to have been a young junior co-worker under our dear brother Lee. Let me tell you, the moment I enter into the work, almost the first instruction from our brother is, be careful because you're going to have to contact all kinds of saints, including sisters, as a co-worker. You must take care of this matter of what? Of the sanctification of that line, including not to be with a female in a room with a closed door, uh, sometimes indeed even in a public place. You know, Billy Graham just died. You know Billy Graham, the great evangelist? Regardless what you say, this is something that is of a high testimony that I totally admire and respect of this evangelist, this man of God. And that is he managed in his whole ministry to be free of scandals. In fact, moral scandals. That is not a small thing. Even in Christianity, contemporary Christianity today. I respect our, meaning I'm from the U.S., our American Vice President, Mike Pence today, who is a true brother of ours, of mine, and a dear believer. And he made it very clear. He made it publicly, inviting ridicule, mocking of all sorts, that he would not even have a meal with another woman that is not his wife, or another woman without his wife present. In this day and world, this is like, what century are you from? Let me tell you, I respect that. Okay. Three, 
While we live on this world, earth, and in our flesh, in no way can you believe that the boundary between men and women can be abolished. There is no such thing. There's a lot in these uh, excerpts that you can get into that can really be a help to you. All right, sisters, I will stop here. How about we just have a little prayer, uh, two, twos and threes. We don't have time for testimony. And then the brothers will lead us to have a break. Okay? Just a little prayer with your neighbor. Amen.